Faith FM, we're operating right around Australia. It is Tuesday the 1st of December, I can't even speak, um, and you are listening to The Brecky Show, which is positively different news. It, we are on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, and this morning you are with Minnie and... Renee! Woo! Hey, Minnie! Hey, we haven't <laughs> done this before. We have not. We have not. I've heard about Renee for ages and I was like, I'm pretty sure I know who Renee is, but I hadn't actually done this with Renee. <laughs> Me too. I've heard of many good things of Minnie. Oh, look, I'll take it. But yeah. no. <laughs> what are you thankful for this morning? I'm very thankful for containers. Oh, is there a story in this? <laughs> uh, no, not not a long one, not an interesting one, but a story. Um, I've just been doing some spring cleaning and, ah. um, you know, like, I guess trying to minimize the mess and all that. There's containers. You can put it in a container, put it in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Outside out of mind, right? It feels, it feels like it's all clean and sorted. <laughs> That's it. I understand. I also recently was doing a fair bit of cleaning and I didn't actually Yay. know how many containers I had. But oh. I mind kind of the opposite. I was like, oh, there's so many. <laughs> like, they're full of nothing. So I've had to downsize. Oh. But, um, oh, that's very exciting. Do you house share with anyone? Are you dealing yes, alone? Yes, with my family. Hey, <laughs> hey, there we go. Yes, yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And you house share, right? Well, I did. And then I was with Beck, who actually was used to do the uh, show with Robbie on Thursday afternoons. Mm. But she has just moved. She's gone back home. And oh. then she has a job oh, um, next it. year over in New Zealand. Awesome. So, yeah, it's been interesting kind of simultaneously good and different and sad that she's moved out yeah you know yeah like yeah so it's been good but it's been quiet this week um but yeah it's just different yeah yeah not bad not just, bad just different just different yeah but oh, yeah. i um i'm very thankful the sun's out today actually yeah. i just my, my problem is this i'm like yep give me one cloudy day and i'll take it it's rainy <laughs> what is my garden i'm happy and then i'm like, okay i'm ready for the sunshine <laughs> So this morning I was happy. It was a beautiful sunrise. Did you see it? Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, Renee. All right. Tell some stories. Yes. So uh, in the world of positive news, there has been a moving company that has helped, that is helping domestic violence uh, people leave abusive homes at no cost. Nice. So this is a company in America and they've launched the program, uh, this program. It's called College Hunks Hauling Junk and Moving. <laughs> cool name. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the, the word hunks actually stands for something. It stands for honest, uniformed, nice, and knowledgeable service. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's kind of cute, to be honest. Which came first, those attributes or no. the, like the word and let's try find it, mate? I like. feel the word and then they sort of fit it in there. Uh-huh. But I, I really do think they actually live up to this, to, to what they say. Mm. Um, they've already completed over a hundred free moves for people who are fleeing unsafe situations in the US and Canada. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, um, this new program is even more important, uh, especially with cities going into lockdown and victims can get, end up being trapped during the pandemic without relief. Mm. Um, so the co-founder Nick Friedman told uh, a news news report as purpose driven, socially conscious organization. We're always looking for ways to positively impact our communities. And in this case, particularly for those who feel powerless in an unhealthy home situation, I guess putting when you're in that situation, you feel trapped mm-hmm. in a home where this is this is where you live. Um, this is home for me, and but I'm stuck here in a, in a really unsafe environment. But it's really cool that this organization offers a way out and offers means to do so. Um, five years ago, another moving company, Meathead Movers, <laughs> I love these names, <laughs> yeah. 
Com. They began offering free moves to people in abusive homes. So last year they donated over more than uh, $150,000 worth of moving services. And they've partnered with eight domestic violence shelters in Central and Southern California. So what they do is they partner with these um, domestic violence shelters and um, women, men, it's youth from there communicate with them and they're able to link them up with these services to enable them to find a better place to, to move and, and um, stuff like that. Um, so the College Hunks Hauling is extending some the same kind of help across their 131 franchise locations in the US and Canada, offering the use of their trucks and labor at no cost. Um, beyond domestic violence assistance, they've also been doing some awesome things. That, um, they're definitely very community and socially focused. They've provided trucks for transporting COVID-19 testing supplies and other medical equipment for relocating beds and goods from one hospital to another and delivering water to healthcare workers. Also, in addition to this, they've been donating two nutritious meals for every completed job to feeding children everywhere with over 1 million meals donated since the program has begun. Um, they were so, so amazing work this done amazing, by yeah. these college, these college, it, it began as college students. I was wondering about that. I was like, it sounds like it's moved on from that because yeah. most college students don't have heaps of money. No. Um, <laughs> speaking from experience. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> my, my bank account hears you too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it sounds like they have a really amazing heart of service because yeah. that's, you said, you know, they've kind of gone into a few different areas. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that they've been able to network, like link up with different yeah. people too. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's a huge, you know, I've never been in that experience myself and man, yeah. I'm very thankful. Yeah. But I can imagine just, you know, how hard that would be if you're like, I need to move, but. But they don't have the means. Yeah. They don't have the support. They don't, they might, and they also provide um, safety measures as well. You know, mm. it can be dangerous. You might be just too scared to, it's hard to start fresh. So Fully. they, they provide that safety, that community, that kind of, yeah, security that people need uh, when moving into a new chapter of their lives. Mm. So um, moving on to some more good news. Yeah. Um, the traditional owners in Barclay region in the Northern Territory have finally had their land returned. So wow. it's pretty cool. They've lodged, they lodged their request. Uh, basically, they lodged their land rights claim actually 40 years ago. And oh. only now have they they've uh, they've received a six square kilometer parcel of land um, back to the, has been handed back to the traditional owners and their families at a ceremony at Lake Mary Ann north of Tennant Creek on Thursday. Um, their land claim over the area was lodged back in 1983 under the Northern Territory Lands, right Act, uh, Lands Rights Act. Um, and Northern Land Council Chair Samuel Bush Blancy uh, says it's a bitter day, bittersweet day, because the land won back is so small. But it is a sweet day because any land that the Northern Land Council can help get land back is a good day. Mm. Um, so, uh, basically, the Minister for Indigenous Australians, Ken Watt, Wyatt, sorry, attended the ceremony um, and he said that this is 
this recognizes traditional owners enduring cultural connection to their land, despite how long, 40 years is a long time to, to wait, um, to have your land returned back to you. Um, he says that we'll continue as a federal government to work very closely with Indigenous Australians to ensure that their hope and aspirations, not only in land titles, but also in other economic opportunities that come with holding land that provides a better future. So they're working together to ensure that, you know, that the government recognises that that these people, you know, this is their land. Um, and not only that, provide... Uh, a means to be able to sustain that land yeah. so that they have jobs or um, whatever it is. So a traditional owner, Brenton Stacy, says that it should have been with us all the way through, but it's good that we got it back so our young people can connect through to country. This place was originally a ceremony, uh, ceremony area um, and they've got to stay like that for life. We've got to take that back now. Um, and so, you know, many people have fought for this land and mm. they've passed on. Um, so he says that, you know, the people that have fought for this land, they can rest in peace now. They got what we asked for back. Mm. And that's, yeah. Yeah, that's also, I remember seeing, um, I was living in New Zealand last year, as most of our listeners will probably know if they've listened before. Um, and I remember driving past an area before and someone, uh, yeah, some locals had this big, up, big sign and they just said, we are not protesting, we're protecting. Mm. And I just thought, you know, there's, you fight really differently when you're fighting um, from a place of love, yeah. not from a place of like we want to control or we're angry. It's just, man, we love this. Like, you know, Absolutely. let's fight for it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. I have some news stories to tell you. So Dwayne The Rock Johnson, some of you guys may have heard of him. He is an American actor. He's a retired wrestler. And he has responded to five-year-old Angelo Brown's online video to him spreading an anti-violence message. I don't know, have, have either of you guys seen or heard of this, anyone? I actually haven't, no. Okay, that's right. Let me tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, please uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> so both of them share Samoan heritage. What's your background, Renee? Is oh, yours? Yeah, yeah. Samoan. Yeah. No, no, I was just like, I, I don't know. I know there's some background. Yes. Just, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so both of them share Samoan heritage. And this Christchurch boy features on the She Is Not Your Rehab Instagram page. Um, and he's asking Johnson to wear the group's T-shirt to help spread the message. Um, it's actually a really gorgeous little video. I watched it the other day. Uh, probably goes for a few minutes long. He's just this yeah, cute little five-year-old. And he's like, oh, you know, I've got my cousin to help me write this letter. And I was like, yeah, bro. Um, but and in part of that, he's just saying, you know, my dad's someone, so I'm pretty sure you're his cousin. Um, <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic five-year-old, yeah. And then uh, and, and we hear him going to say, you know, so basically that means you're part of the Anga and I thought I'd send you this um, this T-shirt as a gift. Mm. Uh, but it's not just any T-shirt. Um this T-shirt my dad and my uncles wear to encourage other men to treat girls well. Um, and it just it simply says, you know, she is not your rehab on it. Yeah. Um, she is not your rehab was co-founded by couple Matt and Sarah Brown in 2019. So last year, um, as an invitation for men to acknowledge their childhood trauma and take responsibility for their healing so they can transform their pain instead of transmitting it to those around them. Mm. Um, both of them actually have some pretty incredible and pretty hectic testimonies. I've heard bits and pieces of both of them. Uh, but, yeah, so Matt Brown is a New Zealand-born Samoan. He's uh, he's the owner of my father's barber, which is a barber shop he uses for ministry. Uh, so father is referencing his, not his earthly dad, but his heavenly one. Wow. Yeah, it's, he's got a real cool story. That sounds that sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, he's used this um, 
yeah, pretty much this barbershop as a place of ministry um, to foster vulnerability, healing, and connection. Um, he himself is a survivor of, of family violence and childhood abuse. Mm. Um, his wife, Sarah, has also experienced pretty trying times and toxic relationships. Mm. And so together they are very passionate about creating these violence-free communities. Um, it's actually really cool, I think, that they, they're a couple and they've just been, you know, just kicking these girls. Of, you know, let's make people aware. Let's invite guys to have a place to, yeah. you know, discuss things and sort that through yeah um you know I, when i was listening to sarah's testimony oh yonks ago she was talking about how when she first met matt he was sharing stuff in a church group she's like people in church don't talk about this yeah. they just don't talk about this yeah. and so i think that they kind of you know started chatting over that and um they ended up working just kind of doing ministry sort of so th- yeah this was founded you know last year but they've been doing a lot of work for a long time mm. he's got a ted talk about it and i think I could be incorrect, but I think that's where he kind of first posed this idea mm. of she's not your rehab. Um, but I think it is really important we discuss it, and this ties really well into your story, right, that sometimes, you know, people don't know really how to um, get out of the cycle of being in abusive relationships. Yeah. But on the flip side, I guess with these, it's it's going, well, how do we break the, the cycle of, um, I guess, being abusive? And so, yeah, he's, you know, it, it's both sides that they're looking at, you know, how can we help you get out? How can we help you heal? So you're not passing on this, um, I guess, intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, go, go them. Uh, so they are also the parents of Angelo Brown, who has sent this message to the rock. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. They've got his little family. Um, and so his message includes telling the rock that his dad's mission is to help other men to heal. So their wives don't have sad eyes like Nana. Um, Matt's mum uh, did so she currently I think is quite ill I'm not sure if it's lung cancer or something else mm. and um, the video makes reference to that she has sad eyes mm. um, and he thinks that uh, the rock is the strongest man on the planet and so if he wears this shirt other men will listen to this message um, I think we do see that sometimes you know when celebrities are advocating for something it just gets more awareness of the mm. the whatever they're supporting yeah <laughs> yep. and um that's what's really important. And so yesterday, Johnson responded with his own Instagram post. Um, he started saying, I just watched and this one just sh- sat me down. It was a bit emotional watching this five-year-old little boy speaking to me. He writes, yes, I'm your Uncle Rock because, of course, all of us Samoans are related. <laughs> <laughs> um, he then responded to Angelo's message, just telling the boy that how proud of he is and how car- uh, courageous and inspiring he is. Um, saying that he has a lot of admiration for um, She's Not Your Rehab as an initiative. And also a little PS note at the bottom just saying um, that he'll definitely get his office to reach out to the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously on the She's Not Your Rehab page, they're pretty excited. They're like, man, we can't just believe this just happened. <laughs> um, you know, which is pretty cool. Uh, another news stories we have today. So a, a little while ago we had um, sad stories, but there have been some war crimes that, that were committed by Australian yeah. soldiers. Mm-hmm. And um, so recently a Chinese official posted a pretty graphic doctored image um, of an Australian soldier um, kind of not really dealing well with um, an Afghani person. And so in this image that they're basically demanding that Australia do some soul searching hmm. um, in the wake of these, I think it's called the Brereton Report. Um, I'm not sure if it's totally closed up right now, but it was kind of investigating about 19 different special forces, um, soldiers who both from the past, and I think some of them are still serving, um, so Scott Morrison has described this image as being outrageous and he's demanded an apology, which has yet to be you know, responded to. Yeah. 
And earlier this month, Australian Defence Force Chief Angus Campbell um, sincerely and unreservedly apologised to the Afghan people for the wrongdoing of special forces. Um, so there's a bit of tension between China and Australia, actually, yeah. recently. I don't know if you guys follow the news. I basically don't, except for radio here. <laughs> um, I'm kind of the same, so that's... Yeah, look, I understand. <laughs> but every now and then I'll have you know friends or family inform me of different bits and pieces, and so... Yeah, a bit of, bit of tension there, but yeah, particularly with this latest thing, uh, the Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson has asked, you know, shouldn't the Australian government feel ashamed? Um, and as I said before, the Australian Defence Force chief has offered an apology. Mm. Um, you know, it could be that the Australian government also, need, also needs to offer something. Yeah. Um, it's really not something you can change. Like, it's, it's really terrible. Often in war... You do have stories like this, as yeah. unfortunate as it is. Yeah. You know, good good guys, bad guys, whatever side you view the other as, yeah. um, we do often see in history that things that shouldn't take place do take place. Yeah. I've never been in war, so I'm not going to comment on you know what what occurs, what goes through your mind, how mm-hmm. that impacts you. Uh, but yes, it is pretty hectic. Uh, but yeah, so criticism for the post from the Chinese has come quickly with allegations of hypocrisy. Uh, because China has also been accused of gross human right violations against ethnic minorities, hmm. which, um, yeah, you know, there's there's really no one that comes out clean. No. On the global scale, you know, some we can look at and say, ah, oh, you're worse than this and we didn't do that, but you did. But really every culture that I've come across has some... There's skeletons in the closet. Absolutely. Um, just depends on who gets exposed first. and Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, in our final little story, it's nothing too exciting, but South Australia has no new COVID cases recorded for two days straight. And apparently, I think restrictions are set to lift today. Nice. Uh, I mean, things may change. Who knows? It is COVID. Things are changing very <laughs> fast, yes, but yeah, that's I, um, good news. It is. And I'm sure for the people who are living there, that's also exciting. Yes. I don't know about you, but this year, I think everyone I know, including myself, we're a bit sick of COVID, really. I'm, I'm done with it. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm ready for it to just move on out, and um, let's just continue on <laughs> as uh, usual. Like, yeah. <laughs> I um, I'm, I'm probably going to go up to Queensland and see my family in a little, a little while. But I wasn't making too many plans because I was like, anything Who could happen knows? at any time. Like, exactly. I just don't know. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yes. Okay. And on that note, Nathan Brown, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. So we have your book here. I'm just wondering, you haven't been on our show before. Could you just give us a little intro? Like, who is Nathan? I know that you're an author, but where are you based? How did you get into writing? What? Yeah, just give us a short little intro into who you are. Yeah, well, I work at um, Science Publishing Company, which is just out of Melbourne, and um, uh, work there as a book editor. So I spend my life making books from beginning to end, from somebody's bright idea to helping get out there and... Uh, share books with people and sell them and all of those kind of exciting things. And we do a big variety of things that include uh, things like cookbooks and um, uh, books about health and well-being, uh, as well as books that are you know, focused on kids and families and, and of course, our faith and um, sharing uh, good things about what it means to live as people of God in the world today. Awesome. And so you, Nathan, I know that you are also a bit of an author yourself, even though you're an editor as well. You've written yeah. a whole bunch of books on different topics. Um, yes. I know that you've done a couple on justice. Or 
a couple. I know you've definitely had one on kind of social justice and um, mm-hmm. this one that we have today is called Advent, Hearing the Good News in the Story of Jesus' Birth. So a couple yeah. of questions. Um, what kind of inspires you to write the different books that you have, which is going to lead into this one particularly? So if you just want to give us some <laughs> yeah. story time. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um yeah, it's an interesting thing because every book has its own story mm. of how it came to be and what was the idea that got it underway and was there some particular need or was it just some experience of my own? And So everyone is different, mm. um, but I guess they all come from wanting to say something good into the world and to um, contribute to, particularly in the context of much of what I do, contribute to people's faith and help them you know, understand how taking you know god seriously about um you know wrestling with the story of jesus is something that actually makes a difference to ourselves in in our lives and then makes a difference in the wider world around us and uh that's what we're called to do so i guess all my books to some degree are talking about some aspect of that um from the so many different angles that can uh that we can do that from um so this one in particular I mean, Christmas happens every year. That's the first um, step in the journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it's very easy to be caught up and busy around the time of Christmas. And it's also very easy to be cynical and dismissive of Christmas and, you know, all the stuff that goes around it. Um, but there are those moments when you get just in the lead up to Christmas. It might be a worship service that you're a part of. It might be singing some of those great old Christmas carols. It might be simply hearing the story again. Where, and this has been my experience, where despite all the other stuff and all the grumpiness you might have around Christmas, when you actually get to that moment, then you just get overwhelmed and blown away by how amazing the story is again. And so my idea was to, you know, how can I develop this into something that I can share that with other people, but also that stretches that beyond just one moment, mm. you know, through a busy Christmas season. Uh, so I actually imagined this book as 31 readings that you could do across the month of December and have a whole lot of those moments where you stop and reflect on how amazing this story is and how it, if, you know, when we take its claim seriously, it actually does change everything. Yeah, absolutely. And as I think I said before, I have uh, read this book just in advance to talking to you, which was really nice for me just to get some context for it. And they are, it's cool. very, they're, it's easy to read. They're short chapters, so you can kind of you, – you actually say quite a lot in each little section that you do, um, mm-hmm. which is really, really good. How would you kind of explain in a simple form what the book is? So, um, okay, hold on, let me start again. When I read this, at first mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is about Christmas. But as I read it, I don't know. In some ways it almost feels like you kind of just expanded on the whole of um, – Christian identity, like what that means and really why Jesus' birth and his story in general kind of matters. Because you go through the whole Bible, you talk about Genesis, you talk about Revelation, you talk about a whole bunch in between. (laughs) Indeed. And I guess that to some degree, and it shouldn't have been a surprise to me, but once I really got in and started doing the work of the study behind writing the book, and basically it was spending the time really focusing on the stories of the birth of Jesus in Luke 1 and 2, Matthew 1 and 2, and perhaps John chapter 1 as well. Mm. The thing that took my, me a little by surprise was how much, as you've, as you've observed and well spotted, um, that 
it's all there. The whole story comes together mm. in this moment, in this uh, event uh, of the birth of Jesus, and that's a remarkable thing. Um, but really, that's actually the central claim of the whole story, of the whole Bible, is that this is the thing where it all came together, where where God really was here, and this was where it had all been going all this time, and this is also the, the starting point for where it all goes from here. Mm. Uh, and that's that's the big picture of, you know, and even, you know, we talk about Christmas, but really my focus is the story of the birth of Jesus, which, you know, there's a slight distinction there. And, um, and so really it's a focus on why this matters and what are the claims, because nobody that was involved in the story was allowed to think, oh, that's a nice story. <laughs> it was actually, yeah. this is a world-changing story. Yeah, you have a quote in there. Um, it's by Frederick Buchner, I think his name is, on incarnation. And he just says um, that incarnation is not tame. It is not touching. It is not beautiful. It is uninhabitable terror. It is unthinkable darkness, <laughs> riven with unbearable. But, but in the context of this, I just think connecting to what you just said, it's mm. so often to look at the Christmas story and go, oh, like that's so lovely. Like Jesus was born, happy days. But mm. as you said, this like totally changes humanity for all of us. Um, yeah. And I, I really appreciate your little connection. I've just never in my life made the connection before that we also see, uh, I guess what you'd call a Christmas story, not quite, but Jesus' birth in Revelation where you yeah. mention, um, I think one of your your friends is a great storyteller and one of his kids kind of came <laughs> up and was like, oh, I don't want any of your boring Bible stories. I want dragons and adventure. And so he yep. goes, okay, I can do that. And, yeah, you know, yeah jumps to um, the Told woman. the story of Revelation 12, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought that was a really interesting look. And I think, yeah, I think it's a really important thing that we go, hey, this is incredible, but it's, it's huge. Like mm. the implications of this change so many things. Yeah, well, that's even... I mean, when you put it in the context of that story, and, you know, it's not usually the way you think about Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah. But the story is there in the, at, right at the centre of it as this woman who's giving birth to a child, and this child is the centre of not just the world, but actually the centre of the universe. Yeah. Um, you know, all the universe's attention is focused on this moment. And, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of mind-blowing when you, when you get down to the simplicity of what the story is, you know, something that, kids tell each Christmas with tea towels on their head um, <laughs> yeah. and and but but you know and that you know nothing against those kids and you know I was part of that growing up in church as well but the bigger it really doesn't do justice to the hugeness the magnitude of what was really going on there um, mm. and I guess that's one of the things to to remember as we retell the story is you know what can that? What does that actually mean? If we if we take those claims seriously, what does that mean for us? Mm. So, do you have a favourite part of this book, Nathan? Like, obviously, you're the writer, <laughs> so you know I'm sure there are parts that you had already been thinking about, maybe more than others before you wrote mm. it. But has there been mm. a particular aspect that you have really loved discovering for yourself, or that you've loved being able to share with other people through this book? Yeah. Well, one of them is um, a couple of the chapters draw on my experience of actually visiting Bethlehem yeah, that's uh, cool. in Israel. And uh, it's actually on the, <coughs> excuse me, the other side of the wall on the West Bank. Um, so, you know, you have to go through all the security um, barriers just to even get from Jerusalem to Bethlehem these days. 
And um, but the reality is that it's not a significant town. Um, and even you know, this is one example that I've given to sort of give to people that this is such an ordinary place is that it has a KFC. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now I'm sure it didn't. I didn't. It didn't in the time of the birth of Jesus when Mary and Joseph came to town. Um, but it's just one of those things that just makes it so ordinary. And that it's not that this was such a special and holy place. It was simply that it was. It's only a only a special and holy place because of what happened there. Mm. Um, you know, it it was just one of the many villages scattered around the hills of. Um, Judea at that time and you know it was primarily simply Jesus was here that is its most significant claim to fame and you know the, the simplicity of the story I think is an amazing juxtaposition with the hugeness of the claims that, that are embedded in it mm. That's a really good point well, you know one part I actually really liked that you spoke on? Um, mm-hmm. you, you have a little chapter there on giving, um, which, you know, yep. often we do associate Christmas with gifts. Like it's just for, for people who kind of celebrate Christmas in, in our culture, generally yep. we go, oh, Christmas there are gifts. But you made this really interesting point that um, there can be an attitude that we bring to that that it can reduce giving to an act of power. And so you mm. say like we give yep. because we can or because we wish to think ourselves – uh, think of ourselves or to be seen by others as generous. Mm, yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's, yeah, <laughs> like I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, yeah. How do you how do you see the way we do kind of play out Christmas normally? Um, yeah. In light of, I guess, yeah, what this book is about and, and the way that it changes. <laughs> well, I think there's so much good in Christmas. And yeah. the fact that we get together as families, we eat good food, we celebrate or you know get you know catch up on the year that has been and in australia we don't really have the tradition of thanksgiving like they do in america and so christmas often to me feels like it's also that so we put these two holidays together into one particular thing so we there's often that element of looking back over the year that was and you know being thankful for the good things and mourning together the things we've lost or been frustrated by and so it's it's such a good thing to have those times where we do pause and remember and reflect and get together and celebrate together and eat together and all of those good things. And it's also great that we take the opportunity to say thank you to people we care about, to people who have made a contribution to our lives across the year. Um, So even in the gift giving where we can, you know, it's easy to be dismissive of the commercialism and the, you know, advertising and the financial difficulties that often come with excesses in that regard. But there's a lot at its heart there's actually something good there um but the next step is to say well we also need to remember that at the core of this is this story and you know as much as anything this book is about let's pause and simply tell the story again and you know there's something human about um not just hearing a story once, but telling it over and over again and telling it every year at a certain time of year Mm. um, that actually has benefit to us. I mean, uh, in my tradition, the tradition that we share, we often will talk about Sabbath as a weekly time where we pause and, you know, reframe our lives and tell that story again. Uh, In a way, these bigger annual kind of seasons can be that same kind of thing for us where, 
because it's simply that time of year, we stop and tell the story again and we sing those songs again and we remember, um, you know, and we, we kind of spend time thinking about it again and perhaps in some new ways. And that's ultimately what this book is about. So I guess it, you know, there are some people who are critical of celebrating Christmas um, and I think that's easy. To, that's the easy option is to say, well, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas because there's so much silliness around it. But lots of people don't celebrate Christmas. Um, you know, if you're an atheist, you, to a sense, don't celebrate Christmas. But the way I believe that we can celebrate Christmas differently is by celebrating Jesus. Mm. And if we keep our focus on that, that's the ultimate way to be countercultural and to resist some of the, the, the silliness around Christmas is to keep it as much as possible focused on the most important part. Ab- absolutely. Now, really quick, we're nearly run out of time, but where can people get their hands on this book? So available from most book retailers around the place. Um, if you simply Google Advent Nathan Brown, um, you'll find it almost anywhere. Um, uh, most of the online book retailers also available from Adventist bookstores around the country um, and various other places where you, um, you might go looking for books. So, um yeah, anywhere you wish. Fantastic. Okay, and if you guys do have any questions about that, you can always uh, give Faith FM a contact. We'll probably put that some information up on our Faith FM app and site. Um, but thank you so much, Nathan Brown. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.